I genuinely believe that if you're going to niche, then the great place to, a great place to start is really look at where your interests lie, where your passion lies. And the fact that you actually even explored them, that you went down the coffee route, you went down the art route, and then you end up in the spa avenue. It's also looking at the feasibility of working in those, those niches. We should go niche and everybody should start niche. It's not, you cannot be broad spectrum when you're trying to put yourself out there or put your business out there. Identify one thing that you're special about, that you specialize in and use that as the launch pad to go out and attract business. Welcome to another episode of Digital Dialogues. We're super excited to have you join us on the podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs that will help you demystify the world of digital marketing. My name is Reem Alfuni. I'm a video content expert and I'm super excited to be joined by my co-host, Namita Ramani, your digital marketing expert. And today's topic is very, very favorite to me because I really believe in it. It's to niche or not to niche. I totally believe in this as well. Um, but I think with you in particular, what's really interesting is that your whole entrepreneurial business journey was very much focused on the power of niche. So why don't you tell us how you got started and, and how you got to the niche that you're in? So when I started my agency in 2004, we were more of a branding agency. And my passion always lies li lies in digital. And then then as well, I was into websites and web strategies. Well, something very close to me. I still strategize the website that we create now. So, but nobody wanted website back then. People wanted to be in print and magazines and we were getting all these ad jobs and that was not my speciality, I would say. And I particularly struggled in how to price the projects. So I was reading this book called Pricing Guide for Graphic Designers and I hired the author of the book to be my mentor and coach. I really believe in coaching and mentoring and I think as business owners, we should invest in, uh, in training because we don't come with all the knowledge, right? So she guided me uh, in various ways on how to price our, our projects, but I was also having a big challenge in finding new customers. So she said, Namita, in, in the US back then, this is, I'm talking in the year 2009, 2010, and there's a big uh, thing boom about being niche. Mm -hmm. Have you considered going niche? I'm like, how do you mean niche? How should I choose what niche should I go for? So she asked me a very simple question. What do you like to do? What do you love doing in your fun time? I said, okay, I love to go for coffee shops. I love to go to art galleries and I love to go to spa. So she said, let's start with coffee shops. So she made me select coffee shops and go visit them and meet their marketing team, marketing department and see if I can get in with uh, branding and even websites and other marketing material. I went to quite a few and I realized that there's no way I can enter that, uh, that gang because most of the coffee shops have head offices in Kuwait. No way they will work with a single entrepreneur, a small company like mine. I said, okay, let's move to art galleries. So she made me visit all the art galleries in town. I chose the ones which, which were in DIFC, the prominent ones, which I thought will have a marketing budget. And I go to them and the owner says, oh, no, we host these shows and exhibitions and people come and buy the art. We have the database. We have access to all the people who would love art and we would not run a marketing campaign and we don't have budget for that. And then the last one was a spa. I was visiting one of the prominent spas and I used to use this book called Entertainer where you get one-on-one -on -one free. That was the... So this particular spa, which was my favorite, that was my third voucher and the last voucher. I'm like, oh, how will I come back here? Because the prices otherwise were so expensive. Spa is generally a luxury. So I asked her, do you have monthly offers every month? She's like, yeah, we do monthly promotions. I'm like, do you send newsletters? She's like, no, we've never done that. I'm like, you guys need to start sending newsletters because I would love to receive your uh, offers and come back. She said, sure, but I still never heard from them, by the way, until today. <laughs> so I thought... 
why don't I call a couple of more spas? So I sat down about, spent about two hours just calling spas and seeing what the deals were. Then an idea struck to me, why don't I start my own, uh, like I, why don't I put together this as a newsletter, experiment with Facebook ads, that was something new that had launched and I was learning that. And like, let me experiment sending traffic to the landing page and see how many people are interested in knowing regular about spa offers, monthly offers. To my surprise, by just spending two, three hundred dirhams, I had like more than two, three hundred people. This is a true story. Sign up for the newsletter. It was a very simple HTML landing page that I put together myself, handwritten, hand coded. I'm like, wow, there's a there's a market here. So my mentor made me uh, go to Amazon, order all the books related to spas, and basically got me into it. And I started becoming passionate about all, knowing all things about spa marketing. You see, that's amazing because I genuinely believe that if you're going to niche, then the great place to a great place to start is really look at where your interests lie, where your passion lies, and the fact that you actually even explored them, that you went down the coffee route, you went down the art route, and then you end up in the spa avenue. It's also looking at the feasibility of working in those those niches, um, and I find that that great. I, mean, I know we're going to talk about content uh, niches as well, but it's a very similar process. It's about looking at what you're passionate about and really doubling down on that. Because I think if you're interested in it, then you're going to want to spend your time really focusing learning and learning about it. about it. And and so it kind of makes sense. So it's interesting that you went through that journey, that discovery process first. I think one of the biggest challenges business owners or startups have is to identify where do I begin? Like, who should I reach out to? What should, Because the whole world is not your target market. Yeah. You have to find out things that interest you and then you can explore that vertical and then straight uh, slowly and eventually grow out of it and start experiment with new experimenting with new verticals so this process allowed you to identify that the spa industry was the niche for you and then what happened but then i also came to know that there are different kinds of spas there's a hotel spa there's neighborhood spas you have luxury spas and then you have aesthetic centers and clinics and so on so first i said let's go to hotel spas Hotel spas have no budget for marketing. Their main budget is F&B and room uh, revenue. So I was, uh, within a day or two, I knew hotel was not my niche. Then I went to neighborhood spas, which were mostly business owners or entrepreneurs owning those spas. And that was easy because I could straight away talk to the decision maker. And it was easy to convince them to try a digital marketing campaign versus any other industry. So neighborhood spas and clinics and aesthetic centers became my... Uh, kind of uh, expertise. Yeah. So even within a niche, there's a niche within a niche. It's actually identifying who the audiences are and how do you kind of focus again on the area that you feel more comfortable with. Yeah. There's something interesting else I did, which is I became an aggregator for spas. So I launched a website called Spajini because my newsletter was a success. There's a lot of people wanting to know about the monthly offers. And this made my life so easy because... On my Spa Genie website, I had 1,200 spas, aesthetic centers, and clinics listed. So now I don't have to go to them. They come to me because they want to list their offers and promotions. Because I was very good being an agency ourselves. We were very good with SEO and we were ranking on top for all spa, massage-related keywords. We had a lot of traffic coming in. I could just show them what's happening on our website, how many people are daily visiting. And then there was no looking back. Everybody wanted to be on the site. And I had access to the decision makers who I would run email marketing campaigns to and sell them digital marketing. And that's how I became the spa genie or the spa marketing specialist. Yeah, I still know you as the spa genie because I, I, we actually met, I guess it was over 12 years ago yeah. because we signed up to the same sales workshop 
And I remember, you know, this is Namita, the spa genie. That's how I was introduced to you at the time. Um, but I, I definitely see the value in aggregators because I think that already positions you, the, your credibility factor is quite high when all of these spas are like vying for attention, vying for space. And it just makes you quite unique in that, in that space. It does, but it also created a new challenge because the spa owner started questioning me that, oh, you're working with this spa and that spa. And what if you share my content, you share my database? So that they started objecting to work with me because I was working with their competition. But then it was a challenge to explain them that it's actually good for you because I know the industry. There's no learning curve. There's no mistakes. You're going to get the results faster. Yeah. I think something similar happened to your... Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, content creation as well. I have no idea how this happened. But the first couple of years of the business, we... I would say the majority of our clients were in the industrial sector. Was that your interest though? Never. Like as much as I love my clients, I'm very appreciative for them. But it just it just so happened because our very first client happened to be Enoch, which was amazing. Um, but then obviously Enoch led to Petrochem, which led to Petrofac, which led to, you know, EGA, which was Dubal at the time. And so before I knew it, everything we were talking about was oil and gas and in a refinery and in a, you know, uh, it was just bizarre. But what started to happen is there was a comfort val uh, comfort level that was building up when any government entity or industrial entity would look at our showreel, they're like, oh, you've been working with this one, this one, this one. The comfort level increased, especially because, you know, when you're that niche, like the industrial sector in the video industry, you know, it means that I really understood how to work in that field. I knew that they can only drive with your diesel vehicles in this part of the site, and you have to be wearing your protective wear in this part of the site. And you start to understand all of those, those elements. Um, so I actually found that it helped us stand out, the fact that we were working with so many similar clients at that time. But how do you then come up with the niche content? Like when you, so when you, work, for, when you work for your clients where you have to produce regular content, how do you identify what should you produce? You can't be producing content for everything they do, right? Um, I think it then we're in a world where you then tap into the people, you tap into the stories, you tap into their USPs and what makes them different. And you start to move away from those elements that are the same. But how does one know what's their USP? Of course, they would know as their expertise, but still, I mean. I think with the video content world, I would say maybe content in general, it is about the emotional element and it's about the stories. So the services almost are secondary. You know, if you have an emotional connection with somebody, they're going to be more likely to watch the rest of your content. So it's about finding that underlying story that connects that business versus like outwardly saying we do X and we do Y and we do Z. Can you share an example? Um, so, for example, you know, we, we did a number of videos. I'll use Enoch as an example. Oil and gas. You would presume, you know, how exciting can oil and gas really get, right? But, um, you know, quite a few of the concepts we did for them was purely about how oil and gas is the energy behind the life that we live. So we actually had a whole story of a pilot and he wakes up and his, you know, his kid. And, and as the day unfolds, it's almost like everything he touches is like that understanding of like oil and gas or is, is actually what's allowing, you know, these to, to live the life that he lives. And so it gets people to think in a very different way. I'm not sitting there selling oil and gas. I'm not telling you where to buy it and which petrol station. And you move, you start to move away from the shopping list style of advertising or, or content and move more towards the storytelling emotional angles. Because now I'm thinking about the kid and I'm thinking about the pilot who's a dad and I'm, I'm entertained and I've got an emotional connect. 
we did something for Dubai Civil Aviation. We've done a lot for them actually, but um, where we looked at the generations of aviation. So because you know they're very proud of their history. At the time, we did a, a film celebrating their 75 year uh, anniversary, and we had like the story being told from a grandfather's perspective, and he'd written a letter to his son today. And he's talking about these key milestones in his life. We're not sitting there telling you what civil aviation does. You know, we're sitting there telling a story. So you're now really intrigued and listening to this grandfather and wanting to find out more. So, Arim, how is niche important to your clients now when creating content for them? So I think it's so important. And in fact, like one of the key questions when we're working with anyone is to understand, like, what do you want to be known for? That's a key question. And based on that, it's then deciding like what is your niche and how do you create content accordingly? So I'm going to give you an example of one of my favorite clients, uh, Chef Sven, Sven the baker. And I remember, you know, when you think of a baker, what do you probably think about? Pastries? Pastries. Most people think of pastries, cakes, muffins, all these things. So we asked Sven, because if you type in the word in Google, you type in baker, you're going to see a whole list of bakers pop up. So we asked him, what do you want to be known for? And he said, bread. So he's super passionate about bread. He can tell you about 350 types of sourdough. I know way too much about bread right now that I ever thought I would know. But there's a genuine passion there. He really understands fermentation and all these things. Anyhow, so we decided, right, that's what you want to be known for. That's the niche. So we branded him, his content, The Truth About Bread. And every video, he actually shares facts, information about bread. And the value that that's created is that means when someone goes into Google, they type in baker, you get a whole list of people. You type in bread baker, bread chef, he's number one. And I think that really is where niche comes to play. When you're able to own your expertise, own your domain, and be top of the list when people are searching for you. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen time and time again. You know, Chef Sven is a great example. But just to give you a completely different example, we work with a clinical dietitian. Uh, Mitzin Sarkar, she also runs a healthy food delivery business called Simply Healthy Diets. And her reasoning was a little bit different because we got to COVID and her whole business is, you know, based on her being able to send out healthy mood, meal plans um, that are all either, you know, they're, they're calorie adjusted or they're really taking your, your health considerations in mind. But during COVID, every restaurant started offering food delivery services. So she turned around and she's like, how do I compete with everybody? They're all now offering food delivery services. I'm like, yeah, but how many of them are clinical dietitians? How many of them are actually sending out food with all of the health benefits and, and it's being cooked in a certain way with the certain ingredients? How many are doing that? Not so many. So in her case, it wasn't so much a niche. It was more about doubling down on her unique attribute, which was the fact that she was a clinical dietitian. So all the content we started to create put her at the forefront. It put it became more about Mitten, you know, and her expertise and how she was the face behind this brand. And that, you know, really differentiated her from everyone else out there. Um, so I think just coming back to what do you want to know, be known for? And I've seen it even with myself. So, you know, when I got overexcited about creating my own content, I thought, I what do I want to be known for? And, you know, created all this branding where um, I was positioned as the content creation coach. And I realized I understand content quite well. I'm very passionate about video. I understand social and all these other worlds. But is that what I want to be known for? Actually, I want to be known for my passion, which is the video and the TV. So 
even with that in mind, I now think that that was an error. I now think that I should have got even more niche because content is such a wide word. So many people are content experts in different places, in different ways. If I'm just the video TV expert, that's what I want. If you think of the word video or TV, I want you to think of my name. And that's the power of niche is that you become top of mind when someone thinks of you. But this is when the business owner is the face of the brand. What if the business owner doesn't want to be the face of the brand? I think it's not even when the business owner, so even in our business, we've created different brands for different niches. And that's separate to me. So, you know, people who might know me um, and know my business is TI22 Films, and that's our high-end brand. So there's a very particular target audience type of project that we do. But Dubai and Demand is a completely different brand positioning. And that's where we primarily work with influencers, thought leaders, content creators, and we're building more social media regular content. We've got Dynamite where we just focus on animation. So I'm just giving you an example of how it's not about me ream the person. It's about having separate brands target different niches because that allows us to really focus on our audience and message differently, speak to people differently. Even though, you know, we may be able to offer a whole suite of services, I think people need to know you as the go-to of X. Even when we run digital campaigns, Reem, we don't really promote everything the business sells. We actually pick one or two of the important services or USPs and we run ads on those. And then from there, we expand and we kind of grow the, start selling other services, upselling and cross-selling. There's an, an interesting point. If somebody wants to shift their niche, say, for example, you're an expertise in bread bakery now and you want to become expert for pastries or certain kind of muffins or certain kind of other kind of um, sweet desserts. <laughs> How do you change? But again, you start creating content around that. Yes, but I, I think it takes time. So I don't think it's something where you can just suddenly switch and start talking about something completely different because you've built your audience, you've built your credibility in a specific niche. So what I often recommend, there are two approaches, is that you either start slowly mixing your content in so that it's not such a big jump for people when you start talking about something completely different. Um, or the second is to have a completely separate page or separate account where you promote that. Um, so for example, I know a few people, I know, you know especially in the corporate world, you know, they may be a lawyer by day, but they're passionate by, about baking, you know? So they, they have, have a profile for totally, baking. Yeah, so they have a profile where they're sharing knowledge, they're building their credibility, they're thought leaders in the legal space. But you know what? Their passion is building, making all these recipes and these pastries by night. And those are two, uh, double the effort, but that's one approach. But that's going completely different then, I guess. Yeah, but, but it's still servicing two niches. You now have two. Yeah. If you're trying to bring them together, I don't think it's quick. You start, you know, if you're the lawyer, then if you suddenly want to become the baking lawyer, then you're like, you know, you, you put law, 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 baking, law, 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 baking, until eventually you can start to balance the two. I still don't know how they would go together. I'm a well, still baking. But I kind of like it. I like that, that mix. But I mean, I know I felt it for myself because, yes, people might know me as video and TV, but I'm also very passionate about entrepreneurship and I'm passionate about learning. And so I often share a lot of content that is not TV or video related. But I think I've done it gradually. And I've also done it in a way where often I will relate my business lessons to the video world. So it's, it's kind of like starting to combine those two worlds where this is my passion. I would do this in my free time. I would go visit a Tony Robbins event and like jump up and down for five days. I want to talk about it. I want to post about it. 
But then how do I relate that back to my niche, which is the video industry, and start creating that content simultaneously? And so that it's acceptable for people. And they're like, okay, this is someone who does both. So, um, you know, something similar we did for our business. So the mentor told me to own your word, to own your niche. So it became the spa marketing specialist. Now, I wanted to shift from being a spa marketing specialist to being a digital marketing specialist. So something that we did was we tied up with uh, Dubai Chambers, Dubai Business Women Council, and we conducted an eight-week digital marketing training. For that, they did a PR campaign for us. And that shifted the focus from being just spa specialist to now becoming a digital marketing, sharing the digital knowledge. Because at the end of the day, the knowledge is the, the strategies and the things that work and show results are the same, whether it applies to a spa, a bread bakery business, or to a um, meal subscription company, is the same thing. It's just owning the niche. So I find it interesting how your networking experience allowed you to open up. My networking experience allowed me to focus because... You know, I'm a very big believer and member and supporter of BNI. And if anyone who knows Business Network International, it's very much a case of representing one category per chapter. So you ca And you have to represent your core business. And I think that's a key thing, representing your core business. So when I look at it, I'm like, we do a lot of things. You know, we do support some customers with social. We do a lot of training. We do a lot of consulting. We do all these things. But what is my core? And it taught me to start really focusing on what is the one thing I want to be known for. So, and I find that since I did that, two things have happened is that it really helps keep you top of mind. And I think it's that, it's that whole reticular activator thing, you know, where the minute you say video, someone's like, oh, Reem, because I've kind of trained them in that way. Whereas if you're kind of a bit more ge generic or general, then I'm not sure I would have the same inflow of, of you know, inquiries. Um, the second thing that it really teaches you is the possibilities of collaborating with people who may, on the face of it, look like competition, but actually there's room for you to work together. Like us. Completely. Because to the outside world, actually, you might say we're both content creators. For people who may not understand the difference, you might be doing it in an, the digital marketing space through advertising. I'm doing it through the content creation space through video. But... There's a lot of collaborative opportunities. We actually complement each other's business. Exactly. Because the content you produce, if it's not distributed, then it's just sitting. Exactly. So I think it's once you understand your niche, you understand your area of expertise, you own it, then you don't feel threatened by other people who are working around you. And you start to see the synergies and see how you work more closely together. So I really credit my experience networking, especially through BNI, in helping me like Zone in, like zone in on what I want to represent as a business and then just realizing, you know, how that can then continue on through my content messaging as well. Absolutely in for the niche. Yeah. So I think that's the conclusion. We should go niche and everybody should start niche. It's not, you cannot be broad spectrum when you're trying to put yourself out there or put your business out there. Identify one thing that you're special about, that you specialize in and use that as the launch pad to go out and attract business. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Until the next dialogue, don't forget to subscribe using the links below. See you soon. Bye.